other people. What a great God we serve. How he loved us. Dr. James Lockie again to preach for us. We're so fortunate, so privileged to have you, my brother, come preach to us. And we sure will be attentive to the Word of God. Let me take just a couple of minutes before we read our scripture tonight and express my gratitude to each one of you. I appreciate the prayers that you have offered up for us. We cannot go too far in life if we don't have somebody helping us to pray. I appreciate your attentiveness and giving me liberty to preach this week. What a joy. I certainly appreciate that. And then let me say to your pastor, I appreciate Brother Roy. He's, uh, I've known him for a good while, but we've uh, had some fellowship together that we hadn't uh, had the privilege of having before. And Brother Roy, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you uh, trusting me in uh, this place of, that you feel Sunday after Sunday and week after week. Thank you so much for the liberty you've given us in the pulpit. And uh, let me say to you, you ought to be proud of a preacher that will stick with the stuff and believe what's right and preach what's right and live what's right. You ought to thank God for that. I go to a lot of places, and it's not every preacher that you go to preach with that has a burden and a love for his people. But Brother Roy has that for you, and I want to say thank God for it. You take care of him and pray for him, and I'm sure uh, God just may leave you together till he comes back again. Wouldn't that be good to miss the mortuary and the graveyard too? It'd be a blessing to go home to be of the Lord. Uh, we don't have that kind of choice to make. It's in the hands of a providential God, but I sure would love to miss the graveyard. Death is our last enemy. And I'd like to dodge him, wouldn't you? I'd like to cheat him out of, out of knocking my teeth out and sending me to the graveyard. And it's been a joy. We appreciate the homes that we've uh, been fortunate enough to uh, go sit down and break bread together. And I, saw, I told some tonight to, at the dinner table that... Um, if I stayed around here long, I'd be a big preacher. And uh, I sure appreciate uh, the ladies and, and if the men had a part in it too. What delicious meals. Just good cooks in this church, I'll tell you that. And, uh, and my wife's got a whole handful of recipes, but she'll put them up on the top shelf and forget them when we get home. <laughs> but I'm glad she's able to be with us this week. And, Appreciate you ladies being so nice to her. And, and some of you men were not as young as we used to. And she needs a little help. She's got uh, a lot of miles on these old feet and knees and bones. I have to have some help around. Thank you so much for being kind to her this week. And then let me say thank you for whatever love gift you've given. I didn't come for that. I come because God called me to preach a long time ago. And. And uh, I found out after I got started that I did pay you once in a while for it. And I thought, man, anything is enjoyable that and get paid for it. But uh, it's been a blessing to be here. And thank you for whatever you've given. It's, it's adequate. And, and then thank you for a good place to rest our bodies. And when we get leave here at night and go over to the motel, thank you for having a good, comfortable place for us to stay. And uh, we, me and Miss Lockie, we're so much different. That's the reason we've stayed together all these years. Uh, she, likes, she likes it hot and I like it cold. And uh, we have a difficult time with the thermostat. But, uh, but we make it through once in a while. So uh, she'll cover up with all the cover and I'll leave there with nothing on me. And, uh, but we'll get comfortable. Thank you so much for a place to rest our bodies. And you'll be praying for us as we go tonight. And then beginning on Monday night, we have a, a meeting starting at our church, and we've been praying and trusting God that he'd really send a real movement of the Holy Spirit of God. We're 
We're living in a, a wicked and a difficult day, aren't we? And uh, I just trust we'll see outpouring the Spirit of God. And as I go and as God lays you on my heart, I'll try to remember you in prayer that God help you along the road and, uh, and give you souls for your labor. God is good, isn't he? Sure is. Well, I, I, you know, when I first started out preaching, uh, uh, Brother Pastor, uh, we had a, a two-week meeting. And uh, I'd preach Monday through Saturday night, and, and then we'd take off back to the house, and we'd stay at church on Sunday, and then Monday night we'd take off again. And uh, sometimes it takes a little while to get the, get the water hot enough to scald the hogs. You know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and then we got to where we'd uh, we have one week, and we'd go uh, Monday through Saturday. And then it got so that, you know, uh, we'd kind of knock off a little early because Friday night was grub night, and Saturday night was tub night. And folks just you couldn't get them out those nights. And so we started cutting it back. And so the night's grub night. I, I see we've got a lot of folks getting grub and uh, getting ready for the tub, I guess. But uh, we appreciate you being here. Now, you, you young folks don't know a word I'm talking about. That's as A in the years as can be. But uh, ask mom and daddy or grandpa or somebody about it a little later. But it has been a real joy. I don't mean to take up a whole lot of time, but thank you. Thank you so much for the privilege of being with you the, these days. All right, if you would, uh, you look at the 27th chapter of the book of First Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 27 tonight. And, uh, uh, and then verse 27. We're just going to read one verse tonight, and, and I'll do good if I can get through this and uh, try to uh, allow God to work through our hearts and lives to give us something that's... Uh, that will be needful. As you're looking for your place, would you still uh, please stand together with us and, and just rest for a couple moments as we respect the Word of God. Oh, oh, what a book. Oh, what a book tonight. I'm thrilled, thrilled at this book. I, I was looking through, and I, you folks may not do this, some of these preachers may not, but I outline everything I preach. I may not stick with it, but I do it in hand. But I outline it, and I kind of file it away and jot on it, you know, where I've preached it. And, and so, and by the way, I do preach message more than one time. Just like you sing songs more than one time, you know. And, uh, but I, I try to keep an, keep an account of this. And I, I, I was looking, I was looking through uh, some outlines, uh, maybe it was yesterday, and uh, uh, I, like to pre- I like to preach about Moses. And I had, I had four messages on uh, Exodus chapter 3. And uh, if, I, if I'd preach them all at one time, it'd be, I mean, you could, you could find something to adapt in his life to mine and yours. That's, 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 We've we got such a great book tonight called our Bible. Oh, yeah. And I'm here to tell you, folks, folks are fools tonight to fool this book. Sure. So I said we'd make it so much easier to read if, you know, if you get it in our language. <laughs> It's not my problem what I don't know. It's what I do know that bothers me. And, uh, and I, I appreciate my Bible. Just, just, don't fool, don't, just don't fool my book. You, you change the instructions, you get in real trouble. Have you got time for me to tell you about that? I mean, the rest of the folks, they, they're already buying their grub, and they're not going to be by anyhow. You've already got yours, and, and I've got a whole lot further to go to my bedroom tonight than you have. And uh, let, me, let me just tell you, I had... Uh, the garage, me, me, me and Miss Lockie are gypsies. And we live part of the year one place and the part of the year one another place. And then when we are, we live two places. We're going back and forth. And Hunter knows a little bit about that. We're, we're there a few days and out and gone a few days. And uh, you never know. But anyhow, we had three carports. Two's upstairs where, the, uh, where we walk into the house. Then one around the back goes into the, goes into the basement part. And... Uh, Sometimes that my wife would would use my truck. I got a truck. Every preacher ought to have a truck. I got one. It's a, it's as red as a piece of candy. And uh, uh, I would park around. And my son said, "Daddy said, you know, you need a you need a door lift on that." So I, uh, he bought me a door lift, and I, I laid it out back there. I 
pulled a truck outside, and I, I pulled a part of my truck. I put all those pieces out, you know, and, and I'm not mechanically mine. Once in a while, I take instructions and, and do pretty good if I read the instructions for a start. And so I started putting it together and didn't work. And pieces, pieces just didn't, go, didn't get to go to part, you know, didn't go together, rather. And I, I looked at them, and I read the instructions, and just didn't work. So I had a friend of mine, Brother David Davis, he's a contractor, and he knew a whole lot about that. And I called him that evening. I said, uh, Brother David, you, you, you're going to be able to come by the house in the morning as your only way to work. So I got, I got a real problem. I, I'm putting the door closer, and, and it, it somehow or another just don't work. I mean, I can't get the pieces together. He said, I'll be by that preacher. So he came, and he, he got down where I had all strewed out on the floor there, and he looked around and said, look the instructions. And he says, no wonder you can't put this together. He says, you've got, you got the, the door closers, but the instructions for another door closer. It's all messed up. I'm going to tell you what, if you, if you fool with the instructions, you never get it done. And I'm, I'm going to stick with this old instructor. He instructed me how to get saved about 70 years ago, didn't it? I want to tell you, mamas, it helped you. It instructed you when you them little boys and girls were just little fellows. And, and you'd sit up at night and their temperature was 103 or 4. And by the bed, you'd read a passage of scripture, claim that for God. I tell you, work, daddy, when you had to go out John, and plant that field of corn. Say, dear God, send us some rain now at the right time. It worked by good instructions. It'll still work today. Amen. It'll still work today. All right. All right. That's that's sermonette number one. Amen. All right. All right. Have you got that? That's, uh, uh, that's chapter 27 and, and, uh, and verse 27 of First Chronicles. Look at verse 27. I'm going to read a couple of verses. And over the vineyard of Shimei uh, and Ramothite, and over, over the uh, increase of the vineyards and for the vine, the, uh, wine cellars was Zabdi, a chef knight, and over the olive trees, the sycamore trees, uh, were, uh, were in the low plains of, of uh, Belhanan uh, and the, the Gidorite. And over the cellars of oil was Joash. I'm, I'm going I'm to I'm look at this last little phrase here. Over the cellars of oil was Joash. Thank you. And you can be seated. Now, God's got his people together here. And, and they got over into Canaan. Now, this new territory for them, they, they've came through all, uh, all of the uh, wanderings of Egypt and, and the land's been separated for all the 12 tribes and they've got located where they ought, ought to be. And then God's laying down stipulations of what these people are to do in life. Could I say this? God didn't save you to take you to heaven. God didn't save you to keep you out of hell. God saved you to give you some responsibilities to live down here in the fellowship with him and that the end result of his name would be glorified and you'd be helped as a result of it. God never saved anybody to warm 18 inches of pew in a Baptist church. God gave everyone of us something to do. Now some never find that out because they never ask. They got satisfied and they're sitting still yet on old Jordan's river and casting the wishful eye. The Canaan's land, I may get there somewhere if I don't die. And that's what they're doing. I mean, just wishing. And God said, you ought to get involved. Greatest thing ever happened to me is when I found out what God wanted me to do in this life. I piddled around. I told you, I used to drive a truck and I did everything under God's star, studied the heavens to keep from preaching the word of God. But today I threw up my hands and, and gave myself to God. I've had joy, joy, real joy. I've got everlasting joy. I got joy unspeakable and full of great glory. That's the reason I'm having a hard time of stopping. I remember a number of years ago, some of you folks, I knew Hinkle Little, uh, Brother Hinkle and I and about 10 or 12 other preachers over, over in, uh, in, in Taylorsville. We used to go down to uh, the Rodney. We'd go down to White Plain Church and meet on every Thursday evening. Somebody would preach and, and we'd uh, sit in fellowship and pray together. 
And then there's a fellow named Evie Bumgarn, an old preacher, long since been gone on to glory. Uh, he was preaching one evening, and uh, he said uh, with a broken voice, and he, he said, you know, God had a hard time getting me started. I laid in life for whoever started preaching, and he's one of the notable preachers in, in our country. He preached, he preached more funerals than anybody around at that time. But anyhow, he said, you know, my body's getting all diseased. And said, my knees have got arthritis and his hands were twisted up. So it, he said, it's difficult for me to even shake hands. But he said, I'm having a harder time quitting than I had starting. And I can understand that, can't you, Brother Roy? If you, I mean, you look at me and tell I'm having a hard time stopping. Yes, sir. But I want to tell you, God's got something for you to do. He looked through that. You looked through this. And he gave some of these, some of these places a position was more are more honorable than others. Some are the treasury. Wouldn't that be good to count money all day long? Wouldn't that be good to have somebody to trust you? Well, you could you know, look after the finances. That'd be real great. And then he said, son, I've got you to look after olive trees. And, and then people go by and said, man, there's a herd. There, there's a one that looks after these, these olive trees. They kept them trim just right and all oh, how they're producing and folks that just brag on, on what they were doing. All different sorts of things that God called priests and they had a high priest and, and God had folks uh, uh, that could do various things that they could put together. I never understood. Uh, uh, you, ever, you, ever, you ever see goat hair? Why, sure. And you ever, you ever wonder how in the world, I, I've never been able to figure that out. How in the world, with crude hands and crude machinery, they had in those days, how in the world, did they take goat hair and, and, and make curtains out of them? I don't know, but God gave men that kind, uh, that kind of ability. There's some folks that were silversmiths, and they could take that and make the sockets and all that stuff they had in the tabernacle. I mean, just real, I mean, real talented people, but they'd never done anything. Anything till God got him out of glory to God. You and I, same way. We, we never done anything for God that we got out of Egypt, did we? Amen. But God got them out of Egypt and brought them over there. And even in that wilderness, God teach them how to be, how, how to take a silver and gold and a, how to make take goat hair and man all, all that they could mix together a little leaf of this and two leaves of that and come up with red white blue and all the rest of that color and man I mean I mean folk you see God glory to God God can take somebody I, I mean it comes from the backside of nowhere and make out of you exactly what you need I know an old boy he grew up on a he grew up on a uh, little old meal hill down in Burlington and uh, they made cotton and then they make yarn out of that and then there's a whole lot of socks. I, I still wear them over the calf kind and uh, got where you can't hardly find them now uh, but but that's what they made in there and this old boy I mean just no cotton mill boy grew up in a broken home and didn't know anything but cussing and lying and played a little basketball, basketball uh, football, a little bit of that and then a little bit of baseball and, and got in trouble over that. I mean he was nothing, just absolutely nothing. But he went to church one day and got saved by the grace of God. I mean, God just took him and changed his life. And, and then he's sitting there one day and he said, God spoke to me and said, I want you to go to Brazil. And I want you to go down on the Amazon River. He said, I didn't know there's Amazon River in the world. He said, I didn't know how far Brazil was away. I didn't know anything about their culture. But I told some of the folks and he said, the preacher said, you're a and he said, I worked in the cotton mill and had a few bucks and bought me a ticket. And I, and I went, to, went to, I went to Brazil and, and said, I got there and I didn't know the language and I didn't have but a few dollars. And I spent that. And he's going to missionary. He said, God told me to go over and take a, take a message that God saved me and, and win those folks to God. Let me run along real fast here. God took him and there's a family that took him in and taught him, taught him the language and kept him up and, and he wrote a few letters back to the states and, and some of them found he's crazy can be why well, we'll send him a few dollars so at least he can, he can survive while he's over there when he learned the language and got filled the Holy Ghost of God and, and God used him and he started to build a little old church out there and uh He'd go up that Amazon River. Know anything about the Amazon River? They have got a lot of them, uh, uh, the old fish in them, what you call them, piranhas. And boy, they got teeth, they tell me, like, uh, like a razor blade. And he said, uh, I had this old boy, he couldn't, he couldn't speak. 
and he couldn't hear, but I had him operate my boat, and I was going up the river, and said, I, I told him, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, he said, uh, I want you to take the old boat, and uh, you know how to operate this thing, and I had enough sign language to tell him, and, and, and he said, uh, uh, the old thing quit out there in the middle of that river, and, and said, the uh, old boy reached up and pulled a cord a couple of times, it did it, fired off, throwed that thing down. He said, throw me out of the boat. There I was in the Amazon River, and said, all around me, I sure, was all kind of piranhas. Uh, but he said, no, I, I, he couldn't hear. I, I couldn't, I couldn't holler if I could. He couldn't hear me. And there he went up that river. And he said, after a while, I heard him coming back. There I was hoping, Lord, God, don't let me get a scratch on my body in this whole rough river. If I do, at least a bit of blood gets out of my body. Uh, they'll eat the flesh off of these bones uh, before he can get down here. Well, he said, uh, he said that old boy told him later on with the sign language. He said, God spoke to me and said, said, the preacher's in the water back under and said, God took off. And that helped me. I'll tell you just thing after thing after thing. Well, he, he was there for 30 some years. Our church supported him. He's been in my pulpit. I mean, uneducated, but he knew what the Holy Ghost was. I mean, he knew God, feel the power of God. Man, he'd go witness to people and then get saved. Started three churches. And uh, uh, he, uh, he got sick here about, about two years ago, maybe a little longer than that. And uh, he had the worst spell he ever had and died. I'm, I mean, he, here's a man, and he, he told, he, this is the second wife, he told her because his first wife died and buried her over there, and he said, uh, told his second wife, he said, now, I don't, I don't should ship my body back to, uh, back to the States. He said, bury me somewhere over here. And um, I got his little book, one of the, one of the boys at, church, at school handed it back to me the other day, a little old book that, uh, that he had written, uh, and uh, uh, how that God had blessed him. And somebody wrote a little note to me uh, here a while back, a year or so ago. And, and they said, uh, when that old boy died, said the little town where he's in, absolutely closed down. Said, but, said if you could have been there, said you'd have been blessed. Said going down that road, uh, he said there was both of the fire trucks in town, every police car, every fireman, every, all the officials in town, closed her down to bear that missionary. He may not be able to, he may like myself butcher the king's English, but he knew the king, Lord of God. And he won a lot of folks to God, built, built two or three churches over there. Yeah, I can tell you some stuff and I don't have time to do that, how that God blessed him. In fact, one time, one old boy said, we come to kill you and said, we got down to your house. He said, there's white angels all around your front door and we couldn't get in. Believe it or not, amen. I say, praise God. I'm saying God's got something for us to do and God can take nothing and make anything he desires to make out of it. God has something for you to do and you'll never be content. You'll never have joy in your heart. You'll never be able to praise God like you ought to. You'll never be able to enjoy singing. You'll never be able to enjoy preaching. You'll never be able to get out of worship service. What you really need to find out where God wants you and you ought to find that out for you Walk out of here tonight. Now, three things. I'm going to be through for too long. My soul, it's already that time now. Stick with me if you will. You don't have to go to work tomorrow, do you? All right, okay, let's stick it here. I want you to notice here uh, that in that 20, uh, 28th verse, he talked about, uh, about Joash being over the cellars. Do you know what a cellar, I'm not talking about the basement. Now, we older folks here in this part of the country. I mean, you know what a cellar is, don't you? He says, God put him over the cellars. Now when we think about that cellar, we're, 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 talking, we're talking about a peculiar place. We had one down at our house and, and it was a peculiar place. It was a dugout under the house and we had a little underpinning around that to kind of keep, keep the worst kind of the winters off of it. But down, that, that, down in that cellar, it is an unpleasant place. I'd go down there sometimes, get a, get a jar of some of the canned stuff mama had put up, and sometimes you'd find a black widow spider. Sometimes it'd be a, it'd be a black snake. A couple of times it's been a, been a, one of them flathead rattlesnake. I'm just talking about an unpleasant place. God didn't put us down here in the world. Everything is just right. God puts us in some unpleasant places as far as this world's concerned. Maybe unpleasant, but God said, that's, that's where I want you. And in that, in that cellar was a place 
peace uh, that, uh, that was just unpleasant. You couldn't stay down there in the wintertime. It was, it was kind of open. That's a place where we put all, all of our food. Uh, but you see, not only is it unpleasant, but it's unnoticed. <laughs> Brother Preacher, if, if somebody come to your house and and your mama wouldn't say, I want you to go, I want you to go down the cellar, look around. No, no. I mean, nothing, nothing about that down there. Just absolutely goes unnoticed. You don't take folks on a tour down in there, but too many, every time you'd go down, we used to have a little old door. You'd lift it up like this and go down them old steps. Sometimes two or three or four steps down and, and is laid out there and sometimes just dirt dug out and made those steps. Every time you go, you get spider webs in your face. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I'm just talking about an unpleasant place. That's where it kept the potatoes. That's where they wouldn't sprout out over, over the winter time. I'm just saying it's an unpleasant, not always a real pleasant place that God put you. I remember first church that I pastored was Rocky Face Baptist Church. Rodney knows where that is. That's the first little church I pastored. And they didn't have anything but a sudden flood in there. I noticed one day, I was just a young preacher, and uh, I noticed one day when right over the pulpit, the first window, it looked like somebody had spilled chocolate all over that window. And I investigated and come and find out it, it, wasn't, it wasn't chocolate, it was snuff. And uh, the old boy set that at the end of that. Uh, I'm telling you the truth. Sure that God in heaven, grass is green. Uh, he set that at the end of that pew. And while I preach, he go. And it wouldn't all go out the window. Are you listening to me? Somebody stick on the side of it. And uh, I started nailing that window shut. Uh, but uh, here's a deacon. I figured I'd be on my way if I did. So I, I just kept it like it was. I mean, that's the kind of church. I, I mean, it was really unpleasant. They didn't have anybody to play the piano. So I had to lead the singing. And so I got up here, Brother Gary, and I was, do so me do home. You ever do that? All right, and we'd get started. We'd do pretty good after I, I got that first door in the, in the soprano line, and we got cranked up, and we'd start singing, do pretty good. I want to tell you, it was an unpleasant place. My son wouldn't go to Sunday school. You'd go down to Sunday school, and they had boards laying down there because it would become a heavy frost or a heavy dew. It would get in the basement, and he was afraid of just a little fella. He was afraid of it. It was really unpleasant, but boy, summertime came, and we had a revival meeting. At the end of that revival meeting, baptized over that louder milk, they had what they call, uh, had, uh, what they call a cattle, cattle pond. They'd, they'd dig a place out and let the rainwater fill it up. And I am not lying to you. It is half, half knee deep in solid red mountain clay. Are you listening to me? It is really unpleasant. I still got the picture somewhere in my files. 17 people, first time ever baptized. Glory to God, that may, that may be some places how that may be somehow unpopular and it may not be a place where folks notice you. They didn't know me from Pete Turkey. I was on the backside of nowhere. Nobody wanted a church and I pastored. But I'll tell you, God gave it to me and I set on fire. I've seen people get saved. We, when, I, when I went there, we had seven people, I believe it was. I stayed there a couple of years and we had 125. I say, praise God. It's a place unnoticed. Nobody ever looked me up. Nobody ever called me. But I, in that little old building, built on the back side of the woods, I was over there not too long ago. And I told him when I, before I left, I said, you stay with God. One day God take you and make something out of you. I want to tell you over just about a mile from that church, he built a great big old new church. I'm talking about brick. And the one we had was, is nothing but old cinder rock building. There's nothing attractive about it. They got a real attractive building and they still got God. I said, amen. God put you in some places and that you'll be unnoticed and it'll be unhandy to get where you are. I'm telling you, that's a place if God wants you there in that cellar. You go ahead and work in that cellar. You stay where God wants you to be and what a blessing that'll be. Now you see the reason why God wanted Joash in that cellar. There's a product of that cellar that he is really interested in. That old cellar we had at the house, it had some good products down there. Amen. We, we, in, the, in the summertime, 
When did blackberries get ripe? Sometime like about the first or second week in July, we'd get out on the creek banks and we'd try to find them old big long blackberries and, and, and we'd fight chickens and everything else and, and pick blackberries. And we, hey, we didn't have a Walmart, didn't have a Bilo, didn't have any big grocery stores. And so we had to dig it out of the ground to pick it off a, off a bear bush in the woods and, and we'd pick blackberries and we'd put them up in there. We just had a small family of us they just six boys and six girls, and we didn't put them up in pint jars. Didn't put, a, didn't put them up in quart jars. We put them blackberries up in half a gallon jars. Amen. Amen. My brother, my brothers uh, had to go to war. Two of my older brothers, and they, they said this kind of joking and made a believer out of me. They said then, they, they took my blood and said that they're about to put us in the 4F, but they needed us so bad. It's that kind of blood and thought, hey, it was, it was about 35% blackberry juice. Huh? Hey, man, you may laugh about the old, old blackberry, but I'll tell you, bless God, when the snow was blowing around the backside of the house and it was about zero weather, I'll tell you, some good slow gravy and blackberries and homemade biscuits would go real good on a good frosty morning. Thank God. There's some products out of that, out of that place. We used to kill hogs. I don't care if it's raining or snowing. I don't care if it's 65 degrees. Thanksgiving Day was hog killing time at the Lockheed's house. Always kill hogs. Boy, they'd stink. They stunk bad enough. We went down to, down to the, down to the hog pen to feed them. That's God, you get them, you get them out, you get that hair off of them and rip them open. They stink worse inside than they did outside. Some of you don't know what I'm going to talk about. You, you, you didn't know a hog had insides. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, we, we can't get that old ham meat. Excuse me, I can't eat it now. I told some of them today. A lot of those things I can't eat because health-wise. And boy, I, I look at that. I look at that good country ham and, and I look at them big old T-bone steaks and I look at that stuff I used to eat and I look at it and I just say, precious memories. Amen. That's right. Some good stuff. We used to, we used to take a, a mama a wood, we'd grind that sausage. Have you ever done that? You ever had them old handles? You, you, you stir that, I mean, crank a thing and, and it cut that, cut that meat up and grind up and mama would put a little salt and pepper or whatever, you know, and a little sage and a little bit of that and, and mix it up. And then she'd go, see, we didn't have a freezer. And so uh, mama would go back in the kitchen. She'd get that, that big old skillet about that big, put it on top of that wood stove and, and she'd start frying out that sausage. I'm getting hungry again. And frying out that sausage and balls about that big and, and she'd feel she'd fill them half a gallon jars up uh, with that good hog sausage my soul, niece wouldn't know what that's all about today, but they'd pack them full, and then mama take it, and she'd pour about that much grease in there, and she'd screw them things up and turn it upside down. I'm just telling you, that is some good stuff that come out of the cellar. Let me go one step further. When Joash went down in that cellar, he went in that cellar to squeeze out olives to make oil with. I want to tell you what, everybody in here, you ought to know how to get in your back room. You ought to know where to get down the brine patch and squeeze some oil out for the Holy Ghost on Sunday morning. You ought to get somewhere with, with God and pray and squeeze out some oil and you'd pray for the preacher. Oh God, I know my preacher's been here 20 years and then we love him and he needs the power of God on him. Help me, Lord, to squeeze out a little oil. Would you anoint him, Lord? My babies need to hear a man preach. Touch him, dear Lord. I'll tell you, bless God, he'll preach if you pray the power of God down on him. Get him anointed with oil. What a blessing. What a blessing that is. And there's nothing any better. Amen. There's nothing no better than getting on the power of the Holy Ghost of God, Brother Roy, and preaching the word of God. I'd rather have that than fly a plane. Amen. Used to fly a little bit and enjoyed that. But I'll tell you, I'd rather preach the word of God with the anointing of the power of God on me. I'd rather do that and be president of this United States or be a 
NFL player drawing $29 million. I'm going to get more than that right now. Bless God what I got. You can't buy it with money. I'm let somebody squeeze out some oil. I said, praise God for that. Amen, amen. <laughs> I'm sending some good stuff come out, come out of the cellar. Amen. Back in those days, they didn't have, they didn't have this Duke energy. They had, take, they had to take that oil and put in little old lamps to have light down the church of God. Amen. That's one of them over there in the holies of holies and said, it don't go out. You be sure that light just stays there. Oh, yeah. I want to tell you, you need to be, you may not have a title of your name, but you need to squeeze out some oil because we need some light in the house of God. I'll tell you, men need, need to know which way to go. We're living in an absolutely confused world. When this world's a bidding on your youngins, I mean to lead them down another pathway of materialism and intellectualism. And God said what they need is a Holy Ghost. They need some light out of the word of God. That's the reason we need to get somewhere and squeeze out some oil. We need some light in the house of God. It's necessary. I'll tell you, if a light goes out in here tonight, it'd be necessary. I wouldn't have to find my way. Now, if in my church, I could get out. But in here, I'd probably, I'd probably get lost because it'd be probably, probably as dark as it was in Egypt that night. I'm here to tell you, we need some spiritual light in the house of God. Men can't find their way the direction this world's are going in. I want to tell you, God can give you light and a way to go. Amen. There's, a, there's some good, I'll tell you, there's some good things that come out of the cellar. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and that's what God wants us to be occupied in, is make some good Good business in the in the cellar. Now, working in the cellar, it, Joash was probably it is probably not a real intelligent job. You didn't have to you didn't have to be very smart to trade out some trade out some olives. You just, you just had to be had to be willing to trade out trade out some of those things. And, and you see, most of the folk are looking for positions with titles to them. Most of the folks likes the jobs that gets real attention. But God has to have somebody to do the dirty work. I said the other day, I said the other day about milking a cow. One fellow reminded me after service when I said he used to have to wash that old, old quarters down, you know, to lay down their own drippings and, and it get messed up, you know, if you didn't, didn't have, uh, we, we used to go to the woods and, and get, uh, uh, get oak leaves and pine needles and, and, uh, cause we, everything else we feed them to eat, you know, we didn't give them hay, uh, to lay home. We get, we get pine needles and oak, oak leaves and stuff like that. Sometimes in the wintertime get hard to get and they get all messed up. And somebody reminded me of the night and said, said, that old cow, I used to milk, she was like that warm water. Yeah, but Lord God, as far as the barn was in my house, it'd be cold time I got down that water. It would be. But uh, clean that, old, clean that old, old cow up for, for milk to her. And I sit down and I milk her and, and I'd get through and I'd carry that milk up to the house and we had a little, little old bench out there uh, between two of the posts on the back porch. And uh, I'd set that milk up there and mama had a, what to call a little cheesecloth. And I'd get that cheesecloth and I'd put that over, over the milk, keep anything from, from getting in it. And then when mama got ready, she'd take that cheesecloth and strain that milk. I remember I was having a revival meeting and uh, we had this old preacher and uh, daddy had him in and he, he stayed with us and he had one of them hammer bar mustaches you know, up here. And uh, uh, back, back then, hey, young folks, uh, you, you're, you're blessed today. We used to, we used to, Brother Roy, you remember this? We didn't eat the first table. We, we eat the second table. Lord, I'd stand at the door and I'd say, Lord, God, don't let that old man get that chicken leg. Oh, that's mine, you know. Lord, don't let him. I hope he don't like a chicken leg. Eat that old chicken foot over there if you don't do it, mama boy, but leave that, leave that chicken leg alone. I remember, I remember he was sitting there one that already ate. And my 
mother called his name and said, would you, would you like to have another glass of real cold milk? Oh, yes, Mrs. Lockie. Give me about, about that much in it. And so there was a handlebar mustache, and, and he, turned up, he turned up that glass and strained it. I often wonder how in the world these men all that hair on their face eats. Thank you. And not only that, but he drunk that and then reached his tongue up. And got the rest out. I said, oh, sir, my soul. He smacked his lip and he said, Preacher Lockie, my, 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 you got a real cow. Nah, that's good. I said, yeah, bless God, but you didn't have to milk her. You didn't have to sit there and let that old cow beat you in the head with a couple of bears in her tail, slapping you upside the head. I guess that's the reason Brother Roy hadn't got good sense tonight. Got beaten the head so much with a couple of bears in the cow's tail. But somebody, somebody's got to slop the hogs. Somebody, somebody's got to milk that cow and wash her down. Somebody's got to do the dirty work. I'm not looking, I've tried to get out of it. I'm not looking for place or position. Somebody, somebody asked me, had one of my preacher boys. He's, he's doing his graduate work right now. He called me, got him a little church down in Gastonia. And he, call, he called me uh, here back in the, uh, back sometime after the first of the year. And, and he said, uh, Brother, Brother Locke, I said, yes. He said, could you, could you help me, help me in the meeting? And I, and I, I, I said, uh, I said, Brother Cameron, I'm jammed up. I said, I, I try not to preach, but, but about one, and maybe in the spring, I'll maybe preach a couple together. But I, I said, I try to keep it down to one if I can. I said, I believe God wants you, God wants you to help me. I, I said, I want you to help me. And I said, all right. I, I said, I'm with you. He said, I just want three hours, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I said, all right. And it, it will come. So next day, it comes to school, and, and he said, uh, Brother Lockie, how much you charge? I said, well, uh, Kevin, I don't, I don't know who you can afford me or not. Well, it's, I, I, knew, I knew it'd be expensive. I knew it'd be expensive. First church, you know. I knew it'd be real, real expensive. I said, well, I try to get $5 a night. He said, what? I said, yeah. I said, Cameron, get this thing in mind. It's not about money. This thing's not about money. No, sir. I've been, I've been, I've been places and I turn right around and give a church every dime they gave me. It's not about money. It's about following the will of God. Amen. I, God's given us something money can't buy. Amen. I, I, I'm, I'm simply saying, let me, clo- let me close with it. There's some people that's built around this cellar. I mean, I mean some people, by the way, if I'd ask you tonight, do, do you know who Am Ram Jockey is? That's Moses' mom and dad. Really not know them people. And I don't blame you for, you know, lift your hand. Because some of you thought I was trying to trick you to start with. Amram Jockey Two simple, simple people, mom and daddy. Boy, they had a good boy. <laughs> Hebrew writer said when, when Moses was born, they said, this is a proper child. And that didn't mean he had blue eyes and black hair. That didn't, that didn't mean he looked like daddy, smile like mama. No, no, no. That, that's no Hebrew word that this may be the fitting one. Amram jockey bed said, <laughs> I remember when the bear did old prophet over on the hill. And he said, when you get out here, so we're going to get out. Said when you get out of here, don't you leave my bones over on that graveyard. You take your bones with you when you get out of here. Jockey Ben said, this may be the one. I want to say that little old boy sitting on the pew. I mean, he may have a coloring book. And you may, that's the reason I believe children ought to be in church. May not be, a, hey, hey, may not, you don't think it's, he's listening to one thing that's going on. He'll tell you more about what goes on you can. Uh-huh. Amen. Boy, I will tell you, there's some good results that comes out, out of that cellar. Oh, thank God for those folks. If, if I'd have come here this week, you'd never know my wife. If I couldn't have brought you, you'd never know my wife. 
Long time I got started late and preaching, and we'd already married and had a child. And uh, I, I, about, I about made school, uh, Brother Hunter, I about made school, uh, <laughs> about made something in my life. About took all my time, but she, she worked and labored and helped me through school. It may be when this thing's all over. And I start up to the beam of seat. He said, now, Lockie, you stand right there, Miss Lockie, you come over here, you get in the crown. All he'd, all he'd done just, you helped him to get there. I want to tell you something, it's not, it's, it's not the title that you got, how faithful you are to where God puts you. Oh, thank God there's some people. Do, do, do you, remember, you remember Charles Finney, great man of God of two centuries ago? I, I mean, love God. I mean, it was so effective. I read a little book one time, and, uh, and, and there's a fellow that was writing about by the name of Nash. I never heard of him. But he said everywhere, he couldn't pastor church. He may be, may be there a year, they'd run him off. and, and just, could, Couldn't pastor church. Tried three or four. And he said, I just believe God wants me to follow old Finney wherever he goes and pray for him. Oh, yeah. they, they said, old Nash would, would go back to the cellar again. He, he, rented, he rented several times. He could rent a cellar for 25 cents. And he had to rent that cellar. And he, he wouldn't go to church. He'd, just, he'd stay out there all that week and pray. And God would fall in that meeting. It might be when they call Finney up and say, Hey, Brother Nash, come stand by. He couldn't have fought his way out of a paper bag hadn't been viewed that praying the demons of hell off of him and the power of God on him. He said, it never got by. I want to tell you, there's some backliners, thank God. Brother, brother, brother Roy, this thing's all over. There's going to be some old saints of God. Never taught a Sunday school class. Never sang a solo. But they loved God and stayed somewhere in the cellar praying for the man of God, praying for the church, going unnoticed, did not have a title, could never play an instrument, never had a title. Nobody ever, ever paid a whole lot of mind to them. But there's a God in heaven writing everything it did down, writing it down. Amen. And when it's all over, thank God, you'll stand to be the seat of Christ. And if you've been faithful to God, God said, I'll make you ruler over many. I say, bless his name tonight. Could I leave this with you? Stay with God. Squeeze some oil. Get something good coming out of that cellar. Don't ever let the devil lead you down the road of liberalism. Stick with the stuff. Stay with God. You can find all these little hoot nannies about anywhere you go. But if you really go and looking for somebody loves God and's acquainted with the Holy Ghost, it's hard to do it, preacher. I go all this country. Man, I sometimes get out of the pulpit and it feels as though I've been pulling a mule's load trying to get folks to hear they were not interested. All this interested him was a beep, beep, bam, bam. I want to say to man, church, get in the cellar. Squeeze some oil. God needs you where you are. Why, this community needs an old-fashioned church with a testimony to the saving grace of God. That going out from these, this place could beat men like Hunter sitting here. Thank God. That's a, that's a good testimony. Stick with it. Don't ever give up. They may not recognize you in the local paper. You may not make it in the history books. I'll tell you, thank God they know you in heaven tonight. Hallelujah. Doesn't make any difference. They know you. I know you in Raleigh or down somewhere else in some other place. But if they know you in heaven, thank God, stay in the cellar. Stay in the cellar. Let's stand. Well, I say praise God anyhow. Amen. God will recognize you as a celebrator. You'll stay with him. How didn't he sing it? And I'm just going to ask the ladies, Brother Gary, if it'll be all right. Just ask the ladies to come and uh, 
uh, the lady and the men it is, the ladies in our church, and so anyhow, you come. And let's just play a couple, couple stanzas tonight. I wonder if somehow you've got weary in the battle and you've got out of your cellar. But I'll tell you something. This church and this preacher need you in the cellar. They need you there. Listen, don't, don't look for somebody to recognize you in this world. Just let somebody out of this world recognize you. I wonder why these folks are playing and God's speaking to your heart. I wonder if you wouldn't slip out here on your face and say, oh, God, help me. I want to find my place in the cellar. I'm going to stick with my preacher. I'm going to stick with this church. Live for God, somebody. Somebody hear what's going on in your life. It'll be a blessing and a help to them. Oh, what an opportunity in these dreadful days. Wouldn't it have been a blessing if somebody could have got a hold of those two young men, led them to the Lord before demons of hell possessed them? Wouldn't that have been a whole lot better? I want to tell you something, church. That's what it's all about. Working in that cellar helps some young boy or girl from going to hell. You got the message. You got the answer to their problems tonight. You ought to come. You ought to come. Anybody else? We're going to pray tonight. I'm going to stick with the stud. I'm going to quit. Keep on rather. I'm going to keep on squeezing the olives. Keep on making some oil to keep my preacher anointed and a preaching the word of God. Now you may, may be here tonight, you've never been saved by the grace of God. This be a mighty good time to get born again. If you'll let me know, I'll take my Bible. We'll slip down here somewhere. And I'll take my Bible. And we'll talk to you about God and pray with you. God save you tonight. It'd be real good if you'd come. Oh, what a blessing. But the best time to do that is when you're young. Give your life to God. Don't let the devil lead you down some dead-end roads. Just come to him tonight. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. It's available for you tonight. Why wouldn't you come? Oh, you got a God that can meet and help you. Surely have while these are praying here. God's doing business with them. What a, what a blessing. What a blessing.